0: Wario Woman, welcome back to the Warrior School Podcast. This is episode 185. 200, we're coming in hot for ya. We are coming for ya. Hi, how are ya? What is going on in your world? We're gonna spend some solo time together today. You and me, baby, just the way I like it. We're gonna talk about a hot topic Uh she's really hot. She even starts with H. We're going to talk about HIT training, high intensity interval training, also known as SIT training, sprint interval training. And we'll talk about why Uh, she was originally called SIT. Uh, I'm really excited for this conversation today to talk about this. It is something that I am experimenting with. Uh, it's something that I'm talking a lot about inside of Warrior School. And it is something that is being spoken about a lot in the female hormonal physiology, perimenopause, menopause space. Uh, and I had the absolute pleasure and privilege of having Dr. Stacey Sims on the podcast to celebrate episode 180. So if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend that you whack that one in your ears. So one of the hardest things when it comes to our training is knowing what to do. How do we train? Uh, What do we need to do based on You know, where we're at, where our body's at, where we want to go, what do we want to achieve? But what's even harder is knowing how to approach it, knowing when to do it, how to put it all together, how it all fits. Uh, You know, for a lot of women, it feels like they have this like 5,000 piece puzzle in front of them and they don't know how to put it all together. You know, they've maybe someone's coming in and, you know, they've just started to sort out the colors. You know, when you start a really big puzzle, you start by finding the edges and the corners and then you start to color code it. But every now and then someone comes in and they like mess it all up and, um, you know, uh, rearrange it. And so then they have to start again. And that feels really overwhelming and very frustrating it's kind of like how a lot of women feel when it comes to their training their health their nutrition they've got this like five thousand piece puzzle and they are overwhelmed they're not sure you know they know they want to do the puzzle but they're not sure how to approach it and when they go to do it every now and then someone or something comes in and messes it all up, which really knocks their competence. So I'm really fascinated right now with the idea of how to approach our training, how to approach all of this stuff. Uh, You know, I do believe that we know that we've got a strength train. And, you know, we've got to do our walking and get our steps in and there's a lot of conversation now around zone two work uh, and cardiovascular work and then we've got this other side of the conversation around female hormones female physiology and this talk of you know how do we train during our 40s 50s and beyond how do we train during perimenopause and menopause so in my conversation with Dr. Stacy, we spoke about what to do, what women need to do to support their health and their performance and their longevity. So she talks about the big three, strength training or resistance training, plyometrics and HIIT training or sprint interval training or cardio training. I've also spoken about strength training a lot (laughs) on the podcast, Uh, so if you want to dive deeper into how to strength train, the benefits of strength training, uh, go and whack uh, episode – ooh, I believe it is – 172, Strength Training 101. And then if you want to learn a little bit more about – the Power of Plymetrics for Body Composition and Metabolic Health, whack episode 184 into your ears. And so today's episode is the third in that powerful trio, HIIT, hit Training, uh, High Intensity Interval Training, also known as SIT or Sprint Interval Training. So it was first introduced in, I think it was the 1950s, and it was called sprint interval training. So SIT is like the OG name for hit, uh, and Dr. Stacey Sims refers to it as SIT training, and we'll get into why uh, later in our conversation. So first introduced in the 1950s, so she's been around a while, and They were using it to improve the performance of elite Olympic athletes, and it's really when you reach near maximal effort and heart rate. So the very high level of intensity, the interval duration, and the number of bouts that you would do in a protocol or a session, distinguish it from aerobic or cardiovascular activity, which is long and slow. This is short and fast, short and sharp. Uh, and the body uses different energy systems. So with HIIT training or SIT training, we're using our anaerobic energy system. With uh, aerobic or cardiovascular activity, we're using our aerobic system. So hits or SIT's crucial features of this maximal effort, duration and short rest periods which triggers this anaerobic pathway of energy production. That's what makes it different uh, from cardiovascular exercise, from running long distances. Now, most of the research is done on men. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Which that's okay. That's totally cool. You know, we're, we're different, but we ain't that different. So we can use some of this research that's done on men and... The really cool thing is, is that there is more research now in women and its effect on female physiology and our hormones. It's very cool. And most of the research is done on bikes or sprinting as we just can't hit that level of intensity with doing circuit training. So the 90% of hit videos, you see on YouTube or the classes that you've taken before, so the F45s, the Orange Theories, they aren't true HIT training. They are moderate intensity training and they are just repackaged as HIT workouts because, well, that became trendy. Uh, and so, these circuit style classes. Now, some CrossFit athletes they are totally doing true hit or true sit. They are tapping into that anaerobic system. They're working at a hundred percent capacity or you know over 85% capacity when they're doing some CrossFit workouts. But for most of us, going to you know, the spin class, the circuit training class, the F45s, the orange theories, they aren't true HIIT workouts and they are often creating more stress on the body. So Dr. Stacey Sims talks a lot about polarizing our training. So train in high and train in low and we really want to stay out of the middle, in that moderate intensity space. So I work with a lot of women who are in the pro-metabolic community. And I'm not going to go too deep into what that is. But essentially, you know, there's this space now that really works on uh, the metabolism and the mitochondria and getting you know getting enough energy into the body and the body being able to use that energy so they do a lot of work with the thyroid and food and uh, it's quite a big space and one of the things that really came out of the metabolic space was that if we don't have a strong metabolism if the body's not if we're not eating enough so if we're in low energy availability if the body can't use the energy correctly. If we've got thyroid stuff going on, you know, mineral deficiencies, then there's a lot of stress on the body and the body isn't safe or it isn't stable and doing exercise training uh, can create more stress. So this, you know, this ideal concept came out, which was exercise intolerance. That we're intolerant to exercise or training, which is so crazy because the human body is meant to move. uh, We're meant to train. It is probably the most important thing that we can do for our health, our hormones, and our longevity. There's so much research and science out there. But a lot of women became really afraid to train. And yes, of course, you know, if the body is in a hormonal shitstorm and you don't have a strong metabolism, you can't use energy properly, you know, you're not eating enough, you're not sleeping enough, uh, you know, if you're a bit of a hot mess, yeah, we, we need to help restore the metabolism, get energy in, you know, support the hormones, create some stability, create some safety. I talk a lot about the uh, Female Training Foundation, And that's based on the work from Holtzman and Ackerman in 2021. And they did a study on the nutritional recommendations for female athletes. And they created this model that basically showed at the base of the model, we need high energy availability. We need to be hydrated. We need to sleep. We need to manage our stress. And that is our foundation. That's really important. If we don't have that in place, yeah, of course, we're going to experience stress. We potentially won't be able to tolerate pretty much anything in our life, uh, let alone training on top of that. But say we've, we've, you know, we've built the base. We've done the foundational work, and we've built up more resilience, more tolerance, more stability, more bandwidth and capacity in the nervous system. You know, we're eating enough food. Uh, we've created a strong foundation. For a lot of women, there's still this fear around training hard, pushing hard. But as you know, I believe women can train hard. We just need to learn to do it in a respectful way. So if we want to build insane strength, if we want to build lean body mass, if we want to change our body composition and lose fat mass, we are going to have to train hard but we can train hard in a respectful way. And the body composition goal is just one side of the conversation. As I spoke about uh, on the podcast that I did on training in your 40s, 50s and beyond. And as Dr. Stacy Sims speaks about, we've got this, you know we've got this conversation around our uh, bone mineral density and maintaining that our lean muscle mass, our speed and our power. Uh, so we've got the the health side of things. As we age, we're going to lose our bone renal density, our muscle mass, our speed, our power, our stability, our proprioception. So we want to train so we can uh, not only live a long life, but a quality life uh, so we remain active and capable and resilient and strong and then we've got the performance side of the conversation and that this is where you know for me the body composition stuff kind of falls that we can use some of these uh, modes of training or ways of training to improve performance and body composition and hit or set training is a very cool way to train for many different reasons. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So just to give you some context in how it kind of all fits together for me. So I just mentioned that female training foundation. So at the bottom of that foundation, we need to make sure that we're eating enough, we're hydrated, we're sleeping, we're managing our stress, we're walking, we're getting sunlight. Then we can look at creating a little bit more of a focus around the macronutrient, the composition of that food. You know, balancing our meals and snacks, balancing proteins, carbs and fats. From here we can start to talk about what do we do with our training? How do we create a consistent training practice? So for me, how I approach it is all of my women start with bodyweight strength training, even if they've trained before. And the reason why I do this is because So many of us are disconnected from our body. And I don't believe sitting on a leg curl machine creates that connection. But trying to learn how to do a wall split squat, (laughs) let me tell you, there is way more attention, uh, listening, awareness, and connection being created than sitting on a machine. So that's why I take the body weight strength training approach to start to rebuild this connection with our body, to slow you down and uh, increase your awareness of what's going on in the body. Then from there, you know, we start to build in uh, weights and this strong strength training practice to help you build lean body mass, to help your bones, to help your uh, insulin uh, sensitivity, your blood glucose uh, levels. And so then I build in a strong strength training practice. It teaches you how to create tension and effort uh, and power. We start to build some muscle mass on you and some strength, some baseline strength. From there, then we can start to explore these other methods of training that we can use for performance, but also for our goals around uh, energy, body composition, feeling better in our body. So then I start to introduce jumping and plyometric work, which I spoke about on the previous podcast episode. Then we can bring in the conversation of hit or SIT training, menstrual cycles and perimenopause, menopause and hormonal changes are then considered. So that's when I would look at um, their cycle patterns, changes in their hormones and potentially create some strategies around those changing hormone levels or their cycles. And then the last thing that we would look at is the individualization. Uh, And so that's my model that I use inside of Warrior School And as I said, it was based on the work of Holtzman and Ackerman in 2021, and they were looking specifically at nutritional recommendations for female athletes. So that's how it fits together. You know, I don't bring it in straight away. One, you know, the most important thing is to create a consistent training practice. So all of my women train three days a week and we start to build a strength training practice. Then from here we start to bring in these other things. And so I think this is, you know, this is the place where it can feel really overwhelming. We're being told to strength train and then we're being told to do plyometrics and hit training. And you're just like, okay, when do I do it all? And how do I fit it all together? And I'm actually gonna do a podcast episode on how to approach it all. And right now I'm doing a mini series um, on the gram around this whole thing, because I think this is like, The gold, the golden ticket. So one of the biggest complaints that I hear from women, uh, and not just women in their 40s, 50s and beyond, so not women that are going through perimenopause and menopause, but women even in their 20s and 30s, is body composition. So a lot of us have a body composition goal, and most of the time that body composition goal is to lose fat mass and build some muscle mass. So there's actually some really cool new research coming out that is finding that sit training that's using the shortest variations lasting 30 seconds or less can actually help improve the metabolic stimulus to decrease deep belly fat in women so that visceral fat. And there's also quite a uh, a number of studies out there that have concluded that SIT training is one of the fastest ways to improve a lot of aspects of performance, including improved insulin sensitivity, which can become a problem as we go through perimenopause and menopause, and ability to use oxygen, which what that enables us to do is burn more fat and get more fuel into our working muscles, so as I said, much of the research was done on men, but there are studies that are coming out in recent years that have shown how well this hit or SIT training works for menopausal women. But I really believe that it can be powerful uh, at any stage in our life. So, you know, I believe that we should be doing it in our 20s, 30s, 40s, and yes, uh, 50s and beyond But for those women that are in their 40s and then who are, you know, menopausal or postmenopausal, what they're finding is that this sit or hit provides the stimulus that we need to trigger performance boosting body composition changes that our hormones helped us achieve when we were in our premenopausal years. So it comes back to that stimulus uh, and Dr. Stacey Sims talks a lot about that when it comes to strength training. You know, as estrogen declines, that's our anabolic, our buildup. And so when she's lower, we need to create that same stimulus and it needs to be an external stimulus. So through strength training, through plyo training, and then through sit training. So basically what we're trying to do is trigger um the, the same kind of um, process that, you know, happened in our pre-menopausal years or when we were younger. So the key with, you know, hit and SIT is intensity. And I talk about this a lot in Warrior School when it comes to strength training. You know, at the start, when we're building our foundation, we do need to focus a bit more on volume because we need the time and the practice to learn the movement and to get good at the movement, to improve our mobility and our stability and our strength and our range of motion. So at the start of your journey, you know, you it's okay to do more volume. Again, more and volume, I don't mean in a way that creates stress on the body or works against you. That's why it's really important to have, you know, to have a coach, to have a proper program and a proper strategy. But we've really just got to put the time in to learn. And so that means that a lot of the time my women start with bodyweight strength training. So because they're not lifting really heavy loads and the intensity is not there, we can focus a bit more on the volume and the practice as they get deeper into their training practice and we increase the intensity, we drop the volume. So with HIIT training or SIT training, the focus is on intensity. And we want to alternate those short bursts, like short, like really short. You know, they could be from like 10 to 30 seconds. Sometimes it's up to a minute. But mostly, if we're holding it for about a minute, we're probably working around 85% of our max uh If we're above that, we're probably working in bursts of 10, 15, 20, 30 seconds. And then it's followed by a relatively short recovery period. So if you're using your heart rate as a guide, uh, anything that sends your heart rate above 85% of your maximum is high intensity. So when you reach your, you know, our 40s and our 50s, it's really important to incorporate the shortest sharpest form of hit and that is sprint interval training. So these sessions include super short 10 to 30 second sprint style efforts and they are extremely beneficial for us. As I said a lot of the research is done on the bike or sprinting. So for a lot of my women we actually start on the bike and Because sprinting is hard. You know, we definitely need uh, a whole strategy and plan uh, around the sprinting side of it. You know, we've got to do a bunch of plyometric work. We've got to look at the gait. From my experience, it's harder for a lot of women to generate the max effort or the power in sprinting it's a little bit easier for them to generate that power or that effort on a bike. And so my women start on a bike, erg bike, peloton, spin bike. uh, And it's obviously a lot easier on our body, on our joints, on our ankles and our knees uh, than sprinting. So one of the biggest benefits from doing it is this improvement in body composition so what happens uh, in some of the research they're finding that sit training increases lean body mass so lean muscle mass and reduces fat mass in actually a relatively short period of time which is pretty cool so there was a study done in I think it was 2019 and a group of researchers uh got postmenopausal women who were 47 to 59 to perform 20 minute bouts of sit alternating 8 seconds of sprinting on a stationary bike at about 85% of their max heart rate with 12 seconds of easy cycling that's a pretty intense protocol um only having 12 seconds of rest that's <sighs> That's hot and spicy. Uh, And they did this three times a week for eight weeks. And at the end of the study, what they found was that the women had lost fat, regained lean muscle mass and improved their aerobic fitness by 12% after what amounted to only eight hours of actual exercise over eight weeks time. It's pretty cool. That's a pretty rad finding and a pretty rad study. And then in another study, uh, they looked at a group of older postmenopausal women. So, these are uh, women that have been through menopause. They have been through it, you know, in it for a while. And they actually had type 2 diabetes. So, their average age was 69. And they either performed the same type of sit training, alternating eight seconds of sprinting on a stationary bike with 12 seconds of easy pedaling twice a week for 16 weeks or they performed 40 minutes of moderate intensity cycling twice a week for the same period. So both groups gained muscle and lost fat, but only the sit training women shed stubborn belly fat. So the sprinters lost more than 8% of total abdominal fat and 24% of visceral, so that deep belly fat that creates that thickening in the abdomen. All without changing anything in their diet. So, SITS, what they're finding, helps us burn off belly fat and improve body composition. Uh, and yes, of course, you know, we we've we've got to have um, you know the, the bottom of our foundation: a strong nutrition strategy, sleeping, walking, managing our stress. But what some of these studies have found that they didn't even look at their nutrition or their stress or their walking. They were just looking at the effect of the protocol on body composition. So let's just talk a little bit about uh, how it does that, you know, the positive effects um, from from doing it on body composition. Dr. Stacey Sims talks more about this in her book, Uh, Next Level. So if you haven't read that, I highly recommend uh, that you check that out and that you read it. And we also talk a little bit about it in our podcast episode, in our conversation. But essentially, what happens is that when we do sit, it actually helps us burn more fat uh, at rest. So, when we're not exercising, and that comes from a couple of different places. You know, if sit training is actually helping us build lean muscle, lean muscle is active tissue. So, that helps us um, with uh, raising our resting metabolic rate. So the more muscle mass you have on you, the more active tissue. So muscle um, burns fat at rest. So if you want to do one thing for your health, (laughs) make lots of delicious muscles. Make that muscle. So That's one side of it, and the other side is that when we do this type of high-intensity work, it demands carbohydrates and pulls a lot of glucose from our bloodstream. So before we go into menopause uh, uh, an estrogen, so we call it E2, it helps with blood sugar control, and as we lose E2 uh, and we're, you know, through perimenopause and postmenopause, Uh, We have a harder time with controlling our blood sugar. So this is where we can bring in strength training and high intensity interval training to get the job done, to help us actually use glucose, to pull glucose into the muscles where we want it and not in the fat cells where we don't want it. So it actually helps with how we're using energy, using and storing energy, which definitely plays a role in... um, helping us, uh, you know, with intense efforts, helping with performance and also helps us with the body composition side of things. It also plays on our mitochondria. So those little, um, I think I spoke a little bit about them when we, when I recorded the episode on plyometrics. But basically, we've got these little energy generating powerhouses in our cells. And doing strength training, plyo training and HIIT training actually produces more mitochondria or better mitochondria and that improves our insulin sensitivity and can help lower our fasting blood glucose levels, all of which is great for not only our metabolic health but our cardiovascular health. So as we age, our little mitochondria, they tend to not become as functional and Hit training can help them keep them firing, keep them firing on all their cylinders. There was, a, uh, there was a study, I think it was published. I can't remember what year it was published, but they found that the mitochondrial function of older exercises, so I think they were looking at, I think it was like 60 or 65 to 80, soared, so increased or improved 69% after 12 weeks of regular hit training. Uh, The older exercises, both male and female, saw no uh, gains following a lower intensity program. So they actually had the control group that did lower intensity uh, training and then they had the group that did higher intensity training. And those that did the high intensity training, it had a positive impact on their mitochondria. And there's a bunch of other research out there. Uh, when it comes to HIIT training. So there's quite a lot around stress and it helping regulate our hormone cortisol, which is quite, um, you know, quite funny, quite ironic, because we associate HIIT with stress um, and are producing too much cortisol or not working with our body. And yes, Remember, the 90% of the hit that you see, the hit that you've probably done before, is not true hit. And so it is increasing cortisol. And it's creating more stress, especially if you're in that age range, you know, your 40s, late 40s, 50s, where you've got a higher baseline cortisol. And Dr. Stacey Sims speaks about it quite a lot how. You know, doing this actually uh, pumps out or helps us produce more human growth hormone. Uh, It increases our testosterone and it decreases uh, a less desirable form of estrogen and actually helps counteract our cortisol. So how do we do it? You know, how do we approach it? If we're strength training a few times a week, uh, where would we fit it in? Let's chat about how um, I approach it. So the first thing is we don't want to overdo it. (laughs) Uh, And me, you know, I'm the queen of like all or nothing. I'm the queen of overdoing it. I really love to push hard and sometimes I really overdo it. Uh, I just get really excited, especially when it's like, you know, a new thing that injects some like novelty and playfulness uh, into into my training, uh, and it feels good. And then I'm reading all of the benefits of it. Uh, You know, sometimes I really just, I want to do it all the time. But the first thing I can offer is we don't want to overdo it. All right. So as I spoke about on my previous two podcast episodes, I believe, I do believe having a consistent strength training practice really is the most powerful thing that we can do. And then we get to add this cool, fun stuff on top, which adds novelty, it adds a sense of playfulness, and yeah, there's some really cool benefits around, you know, improving other health and performance markers. So first, consistent strength training practice three times a week. Learn how to lift properly and lift heavy weights. Then we can start to layer in the plyometrics. So I gave you an approach in my previous podcast episode about how you could start incorporating plyometrics. And now let's talk about how we could start incorporating some SIT sessions. So I recommend starting with one to two sessions per week. And then it depends on your current training program or plan or strategy as to where or when you would put them in. So if you have a current strength training practice three times a week and then you want to start to include a little bit of HIIT training, There's a couple of things that you could do or you could look at. We want ample time for recovery, you know, especially when we're in our 40s, late 40s and our 50s, we need a little bit more time to recover. So we have to take into account if we're strength training three days a week and maybe we want to do one to two uh, sit sessions, that means that if we put them on separate days, that's five days of training. Now, do we have ample time to recover? We could try it on for sure and see if the body's tolerating it. Uh, how's our biofeedback? Uh, does it fit in our lifestyle? You know, can we actually uh, get to five sessions a week or get to the gym five times? Now, if you are finding you don't have an ample time to recover, Uh, maybe the biofeedback's going a little bit wacky, or actually it doesn't suit your lifestyle, you can't get to the gym or create time to do the session two more days in the week, well, then we could look at actually incorporating it into the current training program. So some of the women I work with and for myself, I pop it at the end of my sessions. It depends on the session, the intensity of the session. It will also depend on, you know, the biofeedback or how I feel. But for me, I I would need ample time to recover because my strength sessions are so intense and I don't actually have the space or the time to go to the gym for extra sessions so, I pop them at the end of. Well, I have a day where we go to the track and we do sprinting, but I would say uh, it's not a true hit session just yet because I'm getting back into sprinting. So, I would say I'm really only about, you know, running at 50 or 60%, but I'm hoping that that track day will turn into a true sit session. And then on one of the other training days at the end of my session, I do a sit session on the bike and I just like to whack it at the end. So where or when it fits in will depend on you, uh, your recovery, your, your body and your life. Now, I also like to start with very super short, sharp sprint style intervals lasting 30 seconds or less. A lot of the time, I love to just start at eight to ten seconds. Uh, when we start extending our intervals past sixty seconds, we can get a greater increase in cortisol, and we don't want more cortisol. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I highly recommend starting super short, eight to ten seconds. Ten seconds is a, a really cool sweet spot I find, where you can generate a really good amount of power and then resting you know, play with your rest interval. At the start, you might need to rest a little bit longer uh, because the intensity, uh, you know, we're tapping into anaerobic. So it's quite intense and quite unpleasant. So you might need to rest, you know, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Uh, And so right now I'm playing with 10 seconds uh, on 20 seconds rest. Uh, And as I get tired, sometimes That 20 seconds might turn into like 22 or 23 or 25, but I really am trying to keep it at a 10, 20 right now. All right, so what we want to do is if it's a separate session, we want to warm up. Yeah, so we want to spend some time obviously doing, if we're sprinting, running a little bit, if we're on the bike, we want to spend some time, you know, cycling our legs and, and warming up. Then we're going to push as hard as possible for 10 seconds or 20 seconds. Then we're going to recover for, you know, 20 or 30 seconds. And we want to repeat that. I think six to eight times is a great place to start. Uh, Then we could rest, you know, for five minutes or so. And we could work up to repeating two to three more rounds uh, if we want. Otherwise, we'll just call it there, you know, doing six to eight repeats, And slowly building up from there. Potentially, you might get to, you know, 8 to 10, 10 to 12 repeats. Uh, Sometimes it's cool to actually put a rest period in there. And then you can work up to repeating a few more rounds after. Okay, so there is some cool research that I uh, read around identifying which protocols produce the greatest reward for women's efforts and here's what they're finding so I thought we would break it down into a few I think I have three or four um, findings or protocols that are working really well for women in the research so number one do 30 seconds max effort sprints to lose body fat and build lean muscle so who's it for physically active women who want to reduce body fat and improve conditioning so here are the details the wingate protocol which is really popular it's been around for a really long time i think i even remember doing this in my undergrad degree my exercise science degree in the lab for exercise physiology i think so it starts with four all-out 30-second sprints with four minutes of rest done three times per week. And then what they uh, they recommend is that we increase uh, repeats progressively so that we do six sprint repeats. So four all-out 30-second sprints with four minutes of rest done three times per week. So that's quite a long rest period. There was a new Wingate study done on normal weight college age women that used sprint intervals on a self-propelled uh, treadmill. So there's these really cool treadmills out there that you know you don't hit start and they um, you know you don't pick your speed. You actually self-propel it, and they found that the women lost an average of 1.4 kilos of fat reduced body fat by 8% and decreased waist circumference by 3.5%. They also gained 1.3% of lean muscle mass and improved conditioning and running speed by 5%. So the researchers believe this study was valuable because it reveals um, a few key things. That the Wingate Protocol is a highly effective model for most women to lose fat and improve body composition. Are uh, all without the need to diet or cut calories. So, again, a lot of these studies don't do anything with their nutrition, they're just looking at the protocol. Now, this was done on younger college age women, which I guess is the caveat here for those women who are in their, you know, 30s, 40s, 50s, um, and beyond. So I haven't found a study using the Wingate protocol in peri- and postmenopausal women. So there was a previous study that used four times 30-second running sprints uh, that f- and found that leaner women in the study did not lose any body fat, whereas the fit men who took part did. The men lost weight and decreased body fat, but the women didn't. And so I thought that was quite interesting. So potentially this um, protocol may work on those women who have uh, higher adipose tissue or more body fat to lose. So they did conclude that uh, it may not be the best method for all women. Rather, training should be individualized, which we all know, (laughs) uh, and that women who have lower body fat or who have trouble recovering effectively due to, you know, their metabolic health or outside stresses may benefit from high but not maximal intensity sprints. So we could potentially play around with the effort. Maybe we need to stay around 85%, not max effort. Uh, Maybe 30 seconds might be too much to start off with. Uh, As I said, it would depend on your recovery, where you're at uh, and what else uh, is in your training plan. strategy. So they talk about the importance of building up the conditioning and to time your recovery when using the protocol. They also do talk about how it's it's highly likely that some of the results are because they're using resistance. So when you use the self-propelled treadmill, there is um, some external resistance that's created and that could stimulate the muscle building. Also, you know, and that's why a lot in the studies they'll use um, sprints against resistance. So like running intervals done on that treadmill or with a weighted sled. Or they'll do sprints on uh, um, a cycle, an erg uh, or an airdyne because there is external resistance that's being created on the body. So the second protocol Do moderately high-intensity intervals to improve metabolism and get lean. Who's it for? Anyone who wants to lose body fat but feels they are under enough maximal stress in their daily life. Also beneficial for women who have endurance goals along with a desire for a lean and lovely physique. (laughs) So the details. So high-intensity intervals take a little longer than all-out training, but they say that they're highly effective and can provide um, also stress relief, like mental relief. So one of the reasons, they call them sub-maximal efforts or sub-maximal sprints, and they say that they're useful for women uh, because comparison studies of how men and women respond to interval training show that men achieve higher peak power, which is partly due to the fact that women tend to have less muscle mass than men. So the Some of the problems that I have seen when it comes to sit training or HIIT training is that women actually have a problem generating enough power to reach those maximal intensities. One, we're smaller framed, uh, as I just uh, mentioned, that's what the research shows. So we don't have as much muscle mass on men. Also, we have more slow twitch fibers in our body. So we're not as great as you know, to generate speed and power. It can be trained for sure. And again, this is why I believe we need a strength training practice because if we get more muscle on us and we understand how to create tension and power through lifting heavy, that's definitely going to help us be able to achieve peak power when it comes to some of these protocols. So what that really means is that men can go harder at the start of a sprint and as the sprinting duration progresses, their performance can drop off rapidly, where women maintain their pace. So they might we might not start off a sprint as hard, but we can definitely maintain this, the pace of that sprint. And so this allows us to achieve a higher heart rate um, which we're able to maintain over the course of a workout or the sit sessions. So with this protocol, they talk about doing submaximal intervals, so around that 85%, uh, no longer than a minute, so around a minute. And what they find is that that can allow us to increase our body's ability to burn fat and enhance the sensitivity of ourselves to insulin for better energy use. So there was a study that found fat burning increased by as much as 25% in response to submaximal high intensity cycle ERG training using 10 60 second intervals at an 80 to 90% max with 60 seconds of active rest. So if you're new to this, you could start with a one-to-one work rest ratio. Uh, So you could do 60 second sprint interval, 60 second rest. If you have some experience uh, with sit training or hit training, you could do a larger work to rest ratio. So you could do a two to one or a three to one. Uh, and be- the best place to start with this is around, you know, a minute uh, with rest intervals of 30 seconds. Again, they do say train against resistance. So, uh, and to do it at least twice a week, especially if you're not currently lifting they highly recommend doing sit training against resistance and doing it at least twice a week. And then if you are lifting, uh, there is benefit to still do it against resistance, but you could do it one to two times a week. The third protocol, build conditioning and lose body fat with short all-out sprints. So, in uh this protocol they look at overweight and novice women who want to change their bodies and fix their metabolism so the details of the protocol they do very short all-out sprints that can help us um who are new to exercise to lose body fat and improve our metabolic health so there was a study of 45 young women and i i can't remember their age uh But they did bike sprints and they did them three days a week uh, and it produced, I think it was 2.5 kilos of body fat loss and an increase in lean muscle mass of 0.6 kilos. And the women also lost uh, 0.15 kilos of belly fat, which is that visceral deep um, abdominal fat. So in the study, what their protocol was, They did eight-second resisted sprints followed by 12 seconds of low-intensity cycling, and they repeated that 60 times for a total of 20 minutes. So 60 sounds like a lot, uh, but they're only doing eight-second sprints. They did the total sit session was 20 minutes, so they're very short sessions. And they compared this with steady-state cardio cycling for 40 minutes. So in half the training time, the interval group uh, dramatically improved their body composition, whereas the cardio group actually gained an average of 0.4 kilos or about a pound. Uh, so the sprint group lost most of their fat from their thighs and trunk. And this is, this is the area, <laughs> this, is, this is the heart area that a lot of us want to change our body composition. So the researchers wrote that sprint training with the lower body musculature is valuable for producing a fat loss in the lower body in females. It may even be an exception to the principle that spot reduction is not possible because the body will mobilize um, those stores with the highest concentrations of adipose cells. And I thought that was, you know, a very interesting perspective, whether, whether or not, you know, that was, again, in younger women. I'd love to see this research done uh, more in women who are in their 40s, late 40s, perimenopause and menopausal. Okay, so how to use it? As I said, their protocol was eight seconds on, 12 seconds off, and they did it three times a week, and they did 20-minute sessions. Okay. That's it. That's all I have for you. Uh, Hopefully that was a cool conversation and it was helpful. If you have any questions, yeah, no, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Also check out more of Dr. Stacey Sim's work. Uh, She has some really cool courses, really cool micro courses, or if you really want help with all of this stuff, you know, if you want help with learning how to approach your training, putting it all together. If you want help with getting stronger, changing your body composition, improving your speed and power, you got to come and check out Warrior School. That's what we do. Uh, Warrior School is my online individualized and group coaching program for women. A lot of the women that I work with are in their late 30s, 40s, 50s. uh, And I teach them how to get more energy in, to build insane strength and to create the body they love through strength training, and then we also whack in some very cool stuff around uh, what we've just spoken about today. But yeah, if you want support with it, I highly recommend you come and check it out. We're taking applications, so we're welcome. We're welcoming women into this very cool school. You can uh, click the link in the show notes. Jump on the website. Uh, if it's something that you think you, you would love to be a part of, fill out the application form and then we can book a free discovery call together. We sit down, we'll have a hot drink together and we'll chat more about you and your goals and your world and your training and you know what a plan would look like for you over the 12 months that we would work together. Okay, Warrior Woman, I appreciate you and I will talk to you soon. Bye for now warrior woman thanks so much for listening to this episode if you haven't please give the podcast some love by subscribing now and if you enjoyed this episode please rate it and share it with another warrior woman also if you want to go crazy i'd love if you wrote a review for the warrior school podcast And also share and tag me with your biggest takeaways for the episode on the gram. Okay, Warrior Woman, have a great week in training. Bye for now.